0: Welcome to GI Insights on ReachMD, and
1: this episode is sponsored by Siemens Healthineers. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk.
0: This is GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me to discuss the risk of cardiovascular disease in patients with liver disease are Dr. Zobair Yunasi and Dr. Alan Wu. Dr. Yunasi is the chair of the Global Nash Council and professor of medicine at the Inova Fairfax Medical Campus in Falls Church, Virginia. Dr. Yunasi, a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. Also joining me on today's program is Dr. Alan Wu. Dr. Wu is a professor in laboratory medicine and is chief of the Clinical Chemistry and Toxicology Laboratories at San Francisco General Hospital. Dr. Wu, thanks for being here today.
2: Well, thank you, Charles, and thank you all uh, for tuning in today.
0: So let's dive right in, Dr. Yunasi. We know that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease was recently renamed metabolic dysfunction associated steatotic liver disease also known as MASLD or MASLD. What are the most common cardiac complications associated with MASLD?
1: When when you look at these sort of some of the earliest studies that, you know, I think the earliest natural history study that has been published for this disease, we published this about almost 22 or 23 years ago. And this was a cohort from Cleveland Clinic uh, at the time I used to work there that we followed for a very long time and looked at causes of mortality. And uh, in this context, the number one cause of mortality was cardiovascular mortality. That study has been replicated more than two dozen times in other longitudinal studies, population-based studies, meta analyzes So there is no doubt that for most patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, cardiovascular mortality is the top cause of death. Now, when you actually get it to more advanced stages of liver disease, like those who have advanced fibrosis or cirrhosis of the liver, then liver mortality becomes dominant. But before that, it's cardiovascular mortality. Now when you look at the type of diagnosis that these people have at increased rate, it's everything from increased coronary artery disease to to diastolic dysfunction, to arrhythmia, especially atrial fibrillation as well as actually strokes have been cerebrovascular accident strokes have been reported to be higher in this group of patients
0: and as a follow up to that which patients with liver disease are most at risk of cardiovascular disease
1: now in general i think that all patients with non alcoholic fatty liver disease regardless of you know what severity of of fatty liver or naful m- 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 or muscled they have they, they, they are at risk for cardiovascular mortality. And I think you could imagine that they have the same underlying risk factors, which has to do with metabolic syndrome and its components, especially type 2 diabetes. But there are some studies that suggest that those patients that have increased fibrosis in the liver are also at increased risk for, for mortality from cardiovascular diseases. To me, that may indicate a more sort of aggressive, you know, inflammatory milieu in these patients that not only affect the liver, causing more advanced fibrosis, but also other organs, including, you know, different components of a cardiovascular system.
0: I was wondering if you would speak a little bit about what the literature has to say about the incidence of major adverse cardiovascular events, or MACE, in
1: patients with MASLD. Yeah, there are meta-analyses, both from, from Europe, from South Korea. So even in the United States, this suggests that MACE is actually increased. the The different component of MACE, when you look, is probably the the hazard ratio is somewhere between one point six to one point seven. So there is certainly an increased risk risk of MACE in general, uh, but also even different components that make that make MACE. There is, in my view, there is no doubt that these patients are at increased risk for MACE or, or component of, of cardiovascular diseases.
0: For those just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Dr. Zobair Yunasi and Dr. Alan Wu about the cardiac complications associated with liver disease. So, Dr. Yunasi, now that we have some more information on the prevalence of MACE in patients with MASLD, would you explain how these contribute to the overall health burden
1: patient's experience? Yeah, I look at three different sort of components of burden. There is clinical burden. Which has to do with development of adverse clinical outcomes like cirrhosis, liver cancer. Those are hepatic component of this clinical burden. But there is a variety of of extrahepatic diseases that these patients are at risk for. Cardiovascular disease we talk about. These patients are also at risk for malignancies, extrahepatic malignancies, gastric cancer, you know, that type of cancer. There are a high risk of, of a disease called sarcopenia. The prevalence of sarcopenia, which is uh, r- related to muscle abnormality, is higher with patients with NAFLD, and it's actually an independent predictor. Sarcopenia is an independent predictor of mortality amongst patients with NAFLD. Additionally, there is significant uh, evidence suggesting that renal disease is higher in these patients. So there are a number of other non-cardiac or non-liver Extra manifestations that lead to these adverse clinical outcomes. Therefore, there is higher overall mortality of patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. The second type of outcome that I actually pay attention to is what we call outcomes related to patient experience. And these are patient reported outcomes, health-related quality of life. We've done a lot of research here ourselves and shown that, that without a doubt, that patients with non fatty liver disease are at risk for more impairment of their of their PROs, Patient Reported Outcome and Quality of Life. In fact, the worse the disease becomes in terms of severity, more advanced the disease becomes, the more impairment of quality of life you see in these patients. And of course, that will have additional impact on these patients. But of course, besides that type of, of, of impact, there is also impact on, on caregivers, there's impact on, uh, on, you know, there's increased risk of disability. In fact, when you look at dollies or disability-adjusted life years for patients with fatty liver disease, it is pretty huge when you look at it globally or even regionally in different regions of the world. The last type of outcome I look at is the economic impact of non alcoholic fatty liver disease. And we have done a few of these studies ourselves, both in terms of modeling as well as actually looking at large databases. The impact of NAFLD, direct cost associated with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, is, is probably, in the United States, is probably about $100 billion. Now, when you add indirect cost of things like w- reduced work productivity, then the, then the uh, the cost associated with this disease could be enormous. And, and, and unfortunately, the way things are going, uh, things are not getting better. Things are getting worse because the prevalence of NAFLD, has increased. Currently NAFLD is the second indication for liver transplantation in general and is the number one indication for liver transplantation in the United States for those who get listed for liver cancer. Uh, It's also the most common indication in women and then also in those who are uh, over age 45. So it is rapidly becoming one of the two top causes, or it already is one of the two causes of, of, of liver transplantation and may become the most common cause of liver transplantation in the United States. And finally, it is probably in the United States, in the Western world, it is the most common reason for liver cancer. And how might a multidisciplinary team approach impact patient outcomes? Well, I believe that that's the only way to actually manage these patients. Meaning that, that that at the core of this multidisciplinary team, you have to have your primary care physicians because most patients with non alcoholic fatty liver disease are seen there, and a lot of them are not recognized. And then of course, you have to have a nutrition expert because, and an and exercise expert because lifestyle and you know their micronutrients, macronutrients, and the way that the activity is actually being, being maintained or is, are, are going to be important in terms of, in terms of at least addressing. Some of the root causes of this of this disease. Of course, this has to be done in a comp, in, in a way that is sustainable. So that's why you need to have a behavioral expert there to to help these patients. Endocrinologists, just because they have a lot of patients with type two diabetes, and the prevalence of non fatty liver disease there is about seventy percent. So you have a very high number of these patients. In fact, type two diabetes is also a predictor of progressive disease, liver disease in these patients. So you have to have endocrinology involved. And of course, gastroenterology and hepatology should be a part of that. And it should be for specifically for those patients that have more progressive and advanced disease. The multidisciplinary team can be delivered under the same roof, obviously, or virtually, because of birth, because there are challenges for bringing all these uh, folks together under one clinic. But certainly, Without having multidisciplinary team and approaching this disease as a care pathway, we're not going to really get anywhere.
0: Now, Dr. yunasi from your vantage point, what further research needs to be done so that we can best care for these patients?
1: I think we, our challenges are sort of maybe in, in three different levels. I would say the most serious challenge we are facing is that, despite the increase in the prevalence and the burden of this disease, and 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 the fact that it's associated with all kinds of adverse outcomes, as I as I explained, knowledge about this disease is pretty poor, specifically in what it matters, like in, in the among primary care physicians, maybe a little bit better in the oncology circles these days. So, you know, of course, that's almost negligible among the patients themselves. So there has to be efforts and research in terms of how do we how do we increase through educational efforts knowledge gap that currently exists about this disease the second area that needs to be strengthened is finding non-invasive ways to identify patients who are at risk now historically we have used a liver biopsy that, that would tell us if a patient is uh, early stage or advanced stage. Well if a biopsy is invasive, a lot of people don't want to do it. And I would not I would agree with that. So we we are developing non-invasive tests to, to use the to, to be used to identify those patients who are at risk. The third challenge of course is to find drugs that could actually be used for patients that have more aggressive disease or some signs that they may have more aggressive disease with NAFLD or MASLD and this is the group of patients who have NASH or now it's called MASH also and 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 there are some targeted drugs that are being used and hopefully in the next near future we'll have one of them approved so dr wu is there a connection between chronic liver disease and development
0: of cardiac risk or onset of disease
2: well there certainly is Liver disease plays a central role in the development of cardiometabolic syndrome. In particular, hepatic steatosis, lipid dysregulation, along with obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and renal disease will lead to myocardial fibrosis and diastolic dysfunction. We usually think of fibrosis as occurring after acute myocardial infarction, but in fact, coronary artery stiffness. It is a risk factor for AMI development and certainly occurs in patients with cardiometabolic syndrome.
0: And would you tell us the different cardiac biomarkers for which we should be screening in patients with liver disease?
2: There are really only two: the natriuretic peptides, which include a B-type natriuretic peptide, and the metabolite nt B, are useful for screening diagnosis of heart failure. Assessing the assessing the severity of heart failure and stratification of risk or disease progression, as well as predicting future major adverse cardiac events. Patients with cardiometabolic syndrome have a twofold higher likelihood of developing CAD and a threefold higher chance of suffering from AMI. Cardiac troponin is the standard for diagnosis and rule out of AMI from the ED, but high sensitivity assays are increasingly being used to assess cardiovascular disease risk and screen for active coronary artery disease.
0: Now, Dr. Wu, once we screen patients for those biomarkers, what should our next steps be and what kind of impact can they have on our patient's health and quality of
2: care? Well, in the absence of acute symptoms, Patients with increases in the naturotic peptides or high sensitivity cardiac troponin should enter a plan to mitigate risks for future adverse cardiac events, such as AMI and heart failure. At a minimum, there can be lifestyle adjustments like smoking cessation, changes in diet, and engaging in an appropriate exercise regimen. Therapeutic interventions may be warranted, including drugs to lower lipids, blood pressure, managed diabetes, and perhaps a statin to reduce inflammation and coronary artery disease risk. High sensitivity troponin is emerging as a primary assessment of biomarker in conjunction with traditional tests, such as the lipids and lipoproteins. However, at this time, I'm not a big proponent of using the nitritic peptides to monitor the success of anti-heart failure medications. I think that we have other tests that are emerging that will fulfill that role. Well,
0: those are great thoughts for us to consider as we come to the end of today's program. And I want to thank my guests, Dr. Zobair Yanasi and Dr. Alan Wu for joining me to discuss the risk and burden of cardiovascular disease in patients with liver disease. Dr. Yanasi and Dr. Wu, it was great having you both on the program.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
2: Well, thank you again. And I thank you, Reach MD, for hosting this today. This episode of GI Insights was sponsored by Siemens Healthineers. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash GI Insights, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.